by AM 640 with Bill Carroll. Coming up, we're going to talk to TMZ, see if we can get any more information about uh, Andrew Getty, one of the heirs to the oil fortune found dead in Los Angeles at his home. Strange story. Young man, really. And uh, we're going to talk about that coming up right here. And then, 1220, should you take parental leave when your kids are born? Now, that'd be a really dumb thing to talk about, right? Who hasn't that? Now, there's a new suggestion out there that you should take parental leave when your kids are teenagers. Love it. I got some time off coming to me. Anyway, we'll talk about the sanity or lack of sanity of that coming up in a nice little while. Dax Holt is with TMZ. Airs nightly 6 p.m. right here on Fox 11 in Los Angeles. What do we know about Andrew Getty? What happened to him? Well, okay, so, you know, obviously everyone's heard that he uh, he passed away on Tuesday. I guess uh, cops got called out to the house around 2 p.m., found him halfway between the bathroom and the hallway on his side. Um, at, at the beginning, they thought, you know, this was suspicious. They thought this could have been, you know, a murder or something because there there were signs of trauma to his rectal area. There was bleeding, and they didn't really know what to think about it, and so they detained his girlfriend. Well, I think things have changed around a little bit. They found out that he had some major stomach issues, and uh, it sounds like the girlfriend had talked to her parents about wanting to get him help um, and trying to convince him to go see a doctor. He actually had an, uh, a doctor's appointment for today, and didn't end up making that appointment, but um, there's been a, a pretty storied past between him and his girlfriend. Uh, there's been 31 calls to cops to come out because of domestic violence issues. She's been escorted off the property property like five times, um, so they definitely had some issues. He actually got a restraining order against her a couple weeks, like two weeks ago, uh, claiming that there were some serious medical conditions that he had because when she was around, she'd stress him out, and then it would really cause him a lot of pain and bleeding and didn't really get too in-depth into what this medical condition was, but felt like she should not be around him. And so, you know, the judge issued a restraining order against her, saying that she had to stay 100 yards away from him. So it's interesting that she was the one that discovered his body. Yeah, I mean, this is a young guy, 47 years old, and you think the kind of medical condition that could cause you to bleed to death would be one that uh, wouldn't sneak up on you, and it sounds like maybe it didn't. But when they got to the scene, did they find signs of any kind of physical trauma to his body that made them suspicious? Well, that's that's what they believed it was because there was rectal bleeding, and they thought maybe something else was involved in this. And now I think they've dove into it a little bit deeper to find out that he had these stomach issues. And on top of that, one of the reasons that he got this restraining order is because she knew about this condition, and he claims that she was trying to exploit it and that uh, uh, that she would um, try to get uh, or extort him for money and property and all this stuff because she knew he had this condition, and I guess he wanted to keep it private. So, I mean, there's just so many angles to this. It's a very bizarre story. You know, coming up, this is a, a grandson to a billionaire. So, uh, you know, you don't know if there's – a lot of money on the line or what what the case was or what else she knew about him that she was trying to exploit him for. And his home was in the Hollywood Hills. I imagine it's a pretty uh, fancy home. Yeah, it was a beautiful house. There's, uh, I guess there's been some shots of it. It's, you know, it's a, it's a pretty L.A. home is what it looks like to me. Right. So, and the other thing that we're told is that she was placed on a 5150 psych hold hours after he died. Presumably because she's uh, in shock over his death or distraught or... Uh, well, it sounds Some like combination of them. 
Yeah, it sounds like there's some issues that she has, and uh, I don't think it's her first time that she's been on the 5150 hold. So, all right, you're right. This is a, such a strange story. Are you saying now police are kind of ruling out any sort of foul play that they believe he died of natural causes? Is that yeah, it, it seems like they've kind of changed their minds now that because of his medical history, they're kind of looking at this differently. At, at the beginning, they believed he died under suspicious circumstances. Now they're thinking his death was either natural or accidental. And, but but was, obviously, toxicology results are going to have to come in, and that's going to play a big part because I, I know that there's been some drug issues in the past with prescription medication when the calls to 911 were made in the past. Well, yeah, you do think about, uh, I don't know, maybe foul play or maybe some kind of sex game that went wrong or something, but they would have, they would have I guess, recognized maybe how the scene was set when they yeah. got there to rule out some of those. And it must have come on him pretty quickly if he, because he's not the one who dialed 911, is he? Uh, no, it was, it was the girlfriend that dialed 911. Um, I guess she had found him in cardiac arrest, and, you know, he, I, I'm going to assume by the time the paramedics made it out there, he was gone. But, you know, the fact, I think, the stranger fact is, why is she in the house if there's a restraining order against her? Well, it's a very good question, but, you know, people who have volatile relationships, these things happen, right? They're not supposed to be together. They get together anyway. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Very Dax. True. Appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great one. Dax Holt from TMZ airs nightly 6 p.m. on Fox 11. Whew, you got to have some kind of serious stomach issues, I think, to bleed to death like that. Maybe some kind of cancer or it's just so, so strange. I did have a neighbor die that way once. It was actually uh, to be, not to be Brian Williams was the neighbor of a girlfriend in a condo, same floor, right, the condo right next to it. And uh, I practically lived there at the time. And he was uh, doing a little sexual experimentation by himself. Whoa. And died oh, okay. in, in the same way. I'm serious. So that was my first thought. Like, well, there's a big artery down around that part of your Whoa. body. And that's not how you're supposed to play spin the bottle. We don't want to go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> wow. Wow, and you're woeing me, and then he goes there. <laughs> but it sounds like, you know, if if it's a stomach issue, it must well, have been well, you know horrific, you painful way to die. Just from the bleeding ulcer, so I don't think it has to be that. Yeah, my father, when he was a young man, had a bleeding ulcer, and he almost bled to death vomiting up blood. Wow. Yeah, it, it's uh, boy, it comes on pretty quickly, too. In his case, he uh, he just made it. He just made it. Had to do surgery right there and then on the spot. All right. Well, that's a happy way to start the lunchtime, isn't it? That's yeah, just in time to eat. Thanks. Nothing off-putting or weird about it. 47 years old, man. So I think I'd rather be a uh, older than 47 and not have a billion dollars than be heir to a billion, multi-billion dollar fortune and be gone at 47. I mean, I need some time actually to process that and see what I prefer, but I'm leaning towards better not to be dead. Should you take parental leave when your kids are not born, but... Reborn as monsters we call teenagers. Mm. Coming up next. <laughs> we're gonna do that. Twenty-five percent. When when are we supposed to do that? How? Yeah, it's all gonna be on the backs of cities and towns, isn't it? We're just. Uh, you're wondering why I'm talking in the middle. You, you, no, you're not going crazy. I turned on the mic in the middle of the conversation because Todd played the. You're back from commercial music and i'm in the middle of an important conversation here but it's one you need to know about kfi am 640 bill carroll 
we're just starting to see word out of Sacramento. Here, give this to me. That the governor has issued a mandatory water restriction or a bunch of mandatory water restrictions. Do you guys have this yet in the newsroom? Do. You seeing it yet? We sure do, yeah. Did you mention in that update there? Yes, we you have. did. Okay. Uh, not, not in the very last update, but in oh, okay. the updates before. Yeah, because uh, I'm on the radio and everyone talks to me. You were busy updates. doing the show. But I, so I'm just looking at these numbers. Did you give these numbers? 25%. 25%? How's yeah. that going to happen? This historic drought demands unprecedented action. 25% cut in usage amounts to roughly 1.5 million acre feet of water over the next nine months. It's one bath. Well, it is for me. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll we'll dig into this probably. I don't know on the show tomorrow. I'm sure it'll be. Is that this print printed copy you gave me, Brian? It's all scattered. There's nothing. There's nothing. What government does is good. It's very good. Yeah. Twenty five percent. Like to see how that plays out. That's a lot of people saying no to a lot of water in a lot of restaurants, huh? No, I'll be fine. I feel good. Uh, but, but listen, where does this uh, this water I'm drinking in a bottle come from right now? I'm just, that's my part. I'm going to just drink imported water. I mean, from other states, not from other countries, but I won't drink any bottled California water. Okay. There's an interesting argument being made out there these days based on this new study that parents should actually think about taking time away from work when their kids become adolescents, early teenage years. First of all, in this country, you barely get time off when your kids are newborns. We see, psychologists have been saying for years it's all about zero, zero to three, right? I mean, that's been kind of the understanding in psychology. I've done enough interviews and interviewed enough psychologists over the years to know that. That's a big focus. Zero to three, you got to get it right then. You know, make your kid feel loved and secure, but also independent to get the balance right. And you do a good job between zero and three, you're going to be fine. So there's this major study that's been done. And what it showed was that the time that you spent with your kids really didn't matter much. More or less time, it didn't really impact on their behavior. It didn't really impact very much on their academic performance. It just didn't matter. So this is the study I'm talking about. So now why would that study make people conclude maybe parents need to spend more time around their teenagers? Well, because there was one notable exception. They looked at children in the different times in their lives, and they found that parental involvement didn't really matter much. And they measured it in a couple of different ways. And one was how much active time you spend with your kids and how much available time there is. So available is, hey, I'm in the kitchen busy or I'm out uh, working on some project in the yard. But if you really wanted to talk to me, you could. I'm available. I'm there. But I'm not actively engaged. So what they noticed in this study is that for the most part with the kids, it didn't make a lot of difference except in those adolescent years, those early teens. Well, they actually found there was a difference and that the more parents were involved with their kids, the better the kids were doing. Which I think got a lot of people saying, okay, because adolescents came out as by far, I mean, not by a little bit, the most vulnerable group in the study, and at the same time, the most amenable to parental interference. In other words, that teenager you think doesn't want you to have any part in their life, they actually were very open to it. That that does surprise me. They found that the more engaged time mothers spent with their teenagers, the less likely those teenagers were to engage in delinquent acts, to find as anything from lying about something important, to getting arrested. 
They said the effect was statistically small, but definitely there. Statistically small. I, I don't know if that means I'm going to be, okay, I'm quitting my job now so I can be around. I just think it's an overreaction to say parental leave. But it does make you realize that your kids maybe are still more open to your your suggestions, your thoughts, your parenting when they're teenagers. Because a lot of parents I know, it's kind of like, yeah, I just left them alone. Once they got to 16, it's like, they'll come back to me. Just let them do their thing. They're going to be all influenced by their friends. No, I think this suggests that uh, the common sense prevails, which is you, st- you still have to get in there. You still have to parent them. You still have to work hard at it. And when I think about the best young people I know, like 20, 21 years old, the ones that I've, you know, my friends have raised and I've seen them go through adolescence, the ones who still made sure whether the kids wanted to or not, you're coming on this family vacation. The ones who made sure at least once a week the whole family sat down to dinner. And they did. And I always look at those families and go, yeah, the goody two-shoe families. My parents didn't do that. I mean, when I was a teenager, I ate dinner at everybody else's house except my own. Now, part of that was I was attending a high school that was kind of out of the district. And I would hang out at friends' house and we, we'd do some homework. <laughs> sure. But we did some homework. Well, I'd had dinner at his house or her house. or And, you know, and I'd come home late at night. And that's, we were just kind of allowed to do our own thing. I like to think I turned out okay anyway. I'm not going to do that with my kids. When they're teenagers, they're still going to come along. Like when I was 15 years old and didn't want to go on the family vacation, they'd say, fine, stay home, do your own thing. I'm not going to drag you, Wally. I'm not going to drag you. Don't worry. I'm going to drag my kids because I think they'll whine and complain for the first day or two. Then they're going to get into it. So I was reading this author. She read the same study, and she talked about her 14-year-old daughter. She decided she's going to work part-time now. And when she told her 14-year-old daughter, Lydia, that she was going to do this, she expected her daughter was going to roll her eyes and go, are you kidding, Mom? Get you know that her daughter, you know what her first question was? Cool, does this mean you'll pick me up after school? She couldn't believe her 14-year-old daughter wanted her picked up to pick her up after school. And she was just stunned by that. And she realized, you know, my daughter needs me now probably more than ever. And she made a great point. She said, how many seven-year-olds do you know are on drugs? And yet we want to be home for our seven-year-olds. Our 14-year-olds are starting to experiment with drugs and drinking and sex, and we think we don't have to be there for them anymore. Kind of, you know, the hair stood up on the back of my neck when I heard her put that way. Yeah, that totally makes sense. This is when you need to, that's when you're needed the most by your teenagers. At the time they're pushing you away is the very time you got to push back and you got to push back hard. And she's saying it's going great with her daughter. That she thinks there's been a real benefit to it. 800-520-1KFI. What do you think? Is it time to take time off work? Your kids are teenagers? Maybe work part-time, parental leave, full-time? Uh, I think if you could afford to do that, why not? But it's counter to kind of standard thinking. They're becoming more independent. They need me less. When, in fact, this study shows they probably need you and want you a little bit more. 800-520-1KFI. But first, Rob... Who was neglected throughout his childhood. And so yeah. absolutely... I turned out okay. No, I was only neglected when I was a teenager, when yeah. I was most needed. I can't even tell you the stuff I did my parents would have been shocked about. Well, they neglected you because you were a handful. No, because I was uh, super intelligent. and Oh. Yeah, no, I was a handful. No, you're right. Thank you, Brian. So what's Williams. going on? Because I'm just a teenager. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll, a new study about uh, the time parents spend with their kids 
and what it means. I think people are maybe over-reading it a little bit when they say, well, you got to take parental time when your kids are teenagers. Because it is surprising that that age group, adolescents, that the kids were more open to the idea of being around their parents and actually uh, more positive about the influence and wanted their parents around more because we think they're so rebellious. So it's not a bad idea, you know, you hear this, go, okay, so maybe I'm not done raising them when they're teenagers. Because the assumption I think I made and most people made, you know, is those early, early years, like zero to three or four, are so important that the child feels nurtured and taken care of. And then the early years in school, get them on the right path, get them to learn good study habits, teach them about values, help them develop character, all of those things. You put them in team sports, you put them in groups, you, right, all the way up until teenage years. And then you kind of feel like, okay, now I just got to keep keep the fire out as much as I can. Just bring out the fire extinguisher. Just psh, now I'm just firefighting until they're in their twenties, and then they'll come back and tell me I'm a great dad. After five years of I hate you, this study actually shows that's not true. The kids that age need you, and you can still have a big impact. Here's something else. One of the authors of the study said. I just found this was incredible. That the stats on this. We sort of feel like if your kid's going to misbehave, right? They're a young adolescent. They're, they're going to misbehave. They're going to do whatever they're going to do in the backseat of a car or on the weekends or the evenings, and there's nothing you can do. Actually, the studies show that they tend to break rules between 3 and 6 p.m. on school days, usually in their own homes or a friend's when no one else is around. Those are the peak hours, according to one study, for drug experimentation, for smoking, and for sex. Adolescent arrests also peak at that time of the day. Aggravated assault, in particular, spikes with adolescents at 3 p.m. Meet you after school. I don't want to meet you after school. Are you going to meet me whether you like it or not? All true. I flash back, you know, as I read that to all my teenage years. The trouble we got into tended to be right after school, before whoever's house you were at, before the parents got home for dinner. Parental leave, I don't know, but maybe restructuring your work day to be around for your kids. You also, by the way, think that they're 14. It's okay that they're latchkey kids. They come home. They can make themselves something to eat. No big deal. No, they need you more. Lisa, what do you think about this? I completely agree with this study, and I find it amazing that it takes a study for um, parents to understand that. Um, I currently work 6 to 3 p.m., so I can be home when my son is home or as close to um to that, my husband takes the morning shift, and I take the, you know, afternoon evening shift. But as soon as he starts school, um, high school, he just turned 14. He'll be starting high school in August. I will be putting in my two weeks resignation so I can be there. Um, these are ages that um, are very influential, peer pressure, and I think a parent does need to be home, and a parent does need to be alert at what what is going on. So you said your job now, you're not home between 3 and 6 p.m., or you are home? No, I I work 6 a.m. to 3 p.m. Oh, I and see. We okay. have scheduled it that way. So my husband... You well, know, you were very intuitive, Lisa, because this is exactly what people are saying now. You you, yes. you figured it out. You're, you're there in the time your kid's most likely to get into trouble. Good for you. Uh, what do you think, Grace? Hi, thank you for taking my call. Um, well, I have to agree with with the necessity of a parent, whether it be a father or a mother, to be there for their children at it's such a critical age, uh, 13, 14. I have an 8-year-old and a 13-year-old who will be uh, 14 in May. Uh, I'm, in, I'm towards the end of an 18-year marriage coming to an end. So 
for me, I'm in a position where it's extremely important that I stay home and guide my 13-year-old. She's only kids at that age are dealing with their identity, their identity. But on top of all these family issues, it's very critical. Uh, it's not a luxury for me to be able to stay home. I still will have to make a sacrifice to work part-time. But it's important that a parent, if you can, and it's called a sacrifice too, stay home with your children at that age because they can get lost. Children, teenagers will find uh, reasons to be rebellious, to, to not listen, to have that I hate you attitude. And I'm very blessed that um, I'm, I have the strength to work with my 13-year-old so she does not get lost because with what we're going through as a family, it's kind of dysfunctional right now because the father and I agree to disagree. And so my focus is on her. What is she thinking? And I cannot give her that attention if I'm out sitting in traffic three hours a day, ten hours a day, and really missing out on the important things because what I let go today will be ten times more work uh, it'll affect our children. It'll affect their growth. It'll affect me being able to settle in a year. Well, or you haven't given this any thought at all. Hey, the great thing to, too is that you know, with your marriage ending, even more than for our other kids, she's really going to lead you around. I think you figured that out. Thank you. Let's take Judy here. Judy, you're on with Bill Carroll. Hi. Um, I'm an assistant principal at a comprehensive high school, and I cannot tell you how important it is for parents to be involved with the kids as teenagers. That's when they absolutely need them because some of the decisions they make can profoundly affect the rest of their life. And I'm talking criminal when they're thinking like a teenager. They do stupid stuff, and then it comes back to bite them, and it's, it's just a really bad situation, and, and parents need to be involved. Thanks, Judy. I read a quote today as I was looking into the study. Somebody said, uh, having a teenager is like having a really fast car with lousy brakes. If you owned that car, you'd be very careful about who's driving it. And you wouldn't let them do it unsupervised. That's a great way to put it, because they'll try anything, but they're not good at saying no. Claire, go ahead. What do you say? Well, I, I've got a 12-year-old and a 19-year-old, both girls, and I think that even in college they need to have guidance, because the stakes get higher. And so when they're 10 years old, you know, they want to do something, quote, bad, it's usually not that bad. But when you start getting into high school and college, well, now it can get pretty bad. And they're on their own more. They have, you know, they want to be independent. But I think they really, really need to have somebody there that they can talk to to be able to get through some of these pretty high-stakes situations. There's kids joining cults. There's, you know, all kinds of stuff going in, on in college. I mean, if anybody really knew probably what's going on in college, we'd all freak out. But, well, you know, you know, I think we, we, we all wouldn't be surprised, but we thought it was okay for us, not for our kids. Thank you, Claire. I'm out of time here. Thank you, Kathy, and the other people who are still on hold I didn't get to. Appreciate your view, though. Brought to you by Valley View Casino and Hotel, Southern California's favorite. Up next, let's dig into some of the details of these unprecedented, crazy, and I think very expensive orders from the governor when it comes to water. He got really tough today. We'll go through some of them coming up.
ever seen Todd look that self-satisfied. Hmm. He found a song. He knows we're going to talk about Governor Brown's water restrictions. Actually, I just really like the song. Don't go chasing waterfalls. He's dancing in there. Look at that. It's got a good groove. Don't work up a sweat because that's going to make you want to drink. I know. You can't drink. Yeah, baby. Feeling heart palpitations already. KFI AM 640, Bill Carroll. Yeah, the governor, he got tough. He got tough. It's uh, it's a whole new world when it comes to water restrictions. I'll give you some of them. But do you notice they buried the lead here? When I get to the lead as a news guy, Rob, you'll jump in, okay? Don't, not you, Brian. I already told you what I thought the lead was, so you shut up. Other elements of his order. He's ordered uh, 25% water usage cutback. 1.5 million acre feet of water over the next nine months, okay? So here's how we're going to do it. Golf courses, cemeteries, and other large landscape spaces have been ordered to reduce water consumption. We're going to replace 50 million square feet of lawn statewide with drought-tolerant landscaping as part of a partnership with local government. We're going to create a statewide rebate program to replace old appliances with more water and energy-efficient ones. I could use a new dishwasher. Yeah. I don't think mine's very good. It runs a long time. Dishes come out. I have no. to ask, did we run this thing yet or not? Replace yeah, it. That'd Get be a new one. Require new homes to have water-efficient drip irrigation. If developers want to use potable water, you say potable or potable? I said potable. Yeah, you can go either way on that one. Potent potables. Yeah, uh, but Todd's in the potable camp. No, you're in the potable camp? <laughs> He's just uh, in the pod camp. Potable water I mean, po- for landscaping. Potable. Okay, potable. well, po-po to all of you. I'm not saying it's, I don't know. I'm Ban the, uh, in Scotland we say potable, all right? I don't think we know a little bit more of the English than you do. After all, we were conquered many more times. Uh, calling on water agencies to implement new pricing models that discourage excessive water use. Require agricultural... You didn't jump in? That's the lead. I'm just thirsty. I'm thirsty. My brain is... Call on water agencies to implement new pricing models that discourage excessive water use. The price of water is about to skyrocket Mm -hmm. in California. That's the real... Everything else is just... Blah, 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 blah. That's what they're going to do. So they're going to change the tiered system. Like you use more than three drops of water, it's going to cost you $10 billion a gallon. That's a lot of money, $10 billion a gallon. My mother-in-law's got to go back home. I can't have her showering. That's a lot of body space that's got to get wet. (laughs) She's got to go now. Don't come to my house and shower. We simply replaced... The grass that we already had in our front yard, right? The little space between the street and your front gate. Just replaced it. Nothing more. The neighbor comes across the street, walks over, and is just kind of, you know. You. Almost. But he's, you know, <laughs> he's basically kind of, you know, hey, so what's going on? And, you know, he's, well, you know, if you did this and if you did that. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, but that doesn't match what I want to do. And. You know, we don't use that much water, and we don't have kids, and we only take showers once or twice a month. Oh, nice. And the guy basically then starts wow, berating me. you guys me. sleeping in separate rooms? Starts berating me. They and take me, showers once or twice a month, or you do? No, they do. That's I, what the neighbors yeah. say. I do. I do. Oh, you do. I know that's not true. You smell, anyway, you so then I wonderful. get into this screaming match, basically, with my neighbor. I'm like, just get the F out of here. You know what? I'll do what I want to do to save the planet, and you go over there and do what you, you do want to do. do your thing. Yeah. Well, we already did this last year. We had the guy come and adjust all the sprinklers so they, they whatever the new regulations were at that time, maximum of 20 minutes, three times a week, whatever. What We had about readjust all of that stuff. We got a new area in the yard that uh, kind of is it's all weedy we're going to do something with. 
And I'm like, okay, I get some of those cactusy things. Put those there. I don't want. I don't want any more water sprinklers going in. And someone said, oh, so you're going to plant succulents? Oh, is that what they're called? I don't care what you call them. Just stuff up there that doesn't cost me any more water. In fact, I'm thinking of taking out the entire front yard and doing that. Oh, you was. No, I wouldn't. It's so high maintenance, huh? No, I don't want those stuff out there. Cause then no, the not them. Up everywhere. Not I like, those, no. I like my grass. My grass right. is choking no, no, no. out the weeds. Keep it looks awesome. I'm ripping up the uh, the grass from my compound. I'm paving the whole thing over with asphalt. I'm going to make it a parking lot. Mm-hmm. Problem solved. Yeah, except that it doesn't solve the problem. Because <sighs> you know why? Why? We have more water running off. You, you want the water to absorb into your landscape so that it can go into the uh, groundwater. All right, supply. I'll make a gravel pit then. Oh, well, gravel would do. Yeah. Gravel could work. Yeah. Can I, and I also some I also have my guy who cuts the grass. It's like I want you to keep it long because if you keep it really short, it burns easier, it dies, and it needs more water. Keep it a little longer. And uh, but I've noticed a difference when I used to walk around with the dog early in the morning. Our streets were flooded; they were like rivers. But last year, people cut back, and we saw the numbers. Remember, they said mm-hmm. that the water usage started to go. I don't know how much more residences could do though. It's not about that. Brian, Brian just collapsed on the floor. <laughs> Are you sure he's not uh, having a seizure? He has seizures, and I'm not. I just oh, no. He's having a fake yeah. seizure. No, you know what? I, he's, he's been he's building in... me up for half an hour with I feel a seizure coming on. <laughs> and you in, barely he's noticed. In shock, you barely Bill, noticed. Carol. But but you know if you if you pay, pull an April Fool's prank after noon, you're the fool. April Fool's ends at noon, so. You're, oh, that's weird. You're you're an idiot. Uh, no, but, but you had me wondering there for a second. He actually is really upset because do you realize there's like three women, middle-aged women? That's why I kept looking out the window. That are uh, they've got protest signs. Did you t- you talked about Scientology, right? They're Scientologists, and they're yeah, they're absolutely up in arms about it. Seriously, did you get a call at all from security? I did not know how they 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 are they out to get me now. Yeah, they're upset, and I, I just happened because you know how I come in right. Before Actually, I'm a show. secret Scientologist. I've been manipulating this whole. Dude, they were so things. upset. They're downstairs. I'm like a tenth level C orgy. What is it? What are they called? C orgy. <laughs> I'm the C orgy. <laughs> I've been to some orgies with Tom Cruise. You are terrible. Cruise. They're coming Got for your body. Yeah, who wouldn't want this body, baby? <laughs> Thompson Espinosa coming up next. Oh, I guess it didn't work. All right, Bikram Yoga. Who loves our little hot yoga with Mr. Chowdhury, who loves to uh, touch your inner thigh and help you with a certain yoga pose? And hey. right here, and I will it, lift up your leg. Boy, is that what goes on there? That's exactly what happens. You know what? It's crazy. There are six separate civil suits against him, accusing him of rape. The man who says that he brings peace and love and harmony into your body. Whether you want it or you. not. Yeah, apparently they did not want it. So this is getting really bad. And we're also going to do Tech Talk today with our padre, Father Robert Balliser. And we're going to get into new ways that you can become even lazier uh, by pushing just a little button through Amazon so you don't have to go to the store and buy anything. Hell yeah. That does sound good. That's what I hear. I'm in. All right. All right. April Fool's Day, we don't have anything planned. <laughs> I have my wife preach you my food for me. Is that lazy? No. Have I gone too far? Yes, you have. Thompson Espinosa coming up next. Bill Carroll, KFI AM 640.